I'd be totally fine if we had like a Friday night concert for Trinity. I'd come. You know, sometimes church life in America and Christianity has complicated things to where we kind of forget what all this is about. And yet the Bible tells us very simply that God has made everything for his glory. And the way that we get involved with that is also very simple, where he says, go and make disciples of all people. And I'm encouraged this morning as we hear of more and more people speaking boldly and confidently about learning to trust in the Lord Jesus. There's a lyric in that song that says, you haven't failed me, or something like that, and you won't stop now. And for everybody in this building right now, the more and more that we believe that, the more and more we are secure in Christ. He will not fail us. He is faithful to the end. He is good and He is right and He is love. And our goal as a church is to work so hard and to preach and to pray that there would be more and more and more. There were a lot of people that went on that trip Many that couldn't be here today, but we didn't want to keep waiting until everybody was back from summer vacation and stuff. We wanted to get to it. And so we'll find a time, whether it be a Sunday night or some other time for somebody, for the other people to share. There are many that even wanted to share still. You know, what God is doing in the world is creating people that worship him. I'm excited because here in Fairdale, we are seeing an absolute uh, Holy Spirit blowing of young people who are interested in God and His Word, high schoolers who are being changed, who are being opened up to the truth of God, learning to trust in Christ above everything else, for Him to be their anchor and foundation. That is certainly laying a foundation for this church and for this community, uh, for there to be uh, a gospel witness, uh, a people that love Jesus and, and live for Him, and that's spreading In the Bible, that's all that God is working toward. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 18, where we have been every week. This is what God is doing. God created in the beginning. God created everything, created the people, created them for His glory. That they would live unto Him, live for Him, live by Him, live because of Him. And it would all make God look great. But sin crept in to the world just like it's crept into us. And as much as we know we ought to, the glory of God is not the aim of humanity. And so the world is tragic. Worship is the goal that we would be worshiping Jesus and people don't. And so that's why we must spread the message, tell people, evangelize, do missions. John Piper has said that missions is not the goal. Worship is the goal. We want everybody worshiping our great God and Savior. So he says that missions exist because worship does not exist in hearts and in places. 
So we go and we tell. And God was doing this by calling out a people and saying, I will make you a great nation for me, a a people on planet Earth that are God's people that will love me and obey me and worship me and live for me. And as we're reading through the Old Testament and, and I'm preaching through the book of Exodus, you come here every week and you hear me explaining what's going on in the book of Exodus. Literally, what we are reading is how God from uh, thousands of years ago is taking humans that are sinful, that do not know God and forming them into his family, his people that worship him. He's trying to get from people that don't worship him to what you just saw here a few minutes ago. People who stand up here and say, he's, he's all I got. He's, he's my savior, my Lord, my God. And I will trust him. He he is working to make that happen. And they were in slavery and he set them free. And now he's leading them to the promised land where they'll have their own land, their own place. They will be his people. That's where he's taking them. But as you have seen from week to week, that's not really going over well. Though they are his people by name, they are very quick to go against God. They are very quick to blame God. They are very, they are very quick to uh, sin against him, to trust him, and to ask for other things. To ask for other gods. To ask for other provisions. And to not trust him. And so with these people, we see more of a picture of, of a non-believer than we see the believer through the people of Israel. When we get to chapter 18 today... And they had just got finished with their first ever fight battle. The Amalekites, like I preached on last week, attacked Israel and God helped them win by Moses holding up the rod. And then here in chapter 18, it's like it comes out of nowhere because we're getting to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. What's going to happen is God is coming to speak to his people. Now, we are obviously a people very committed to God speaking to us. And we believe that God speaks through his word. This is the word of God. This is why we speak to this. Most people would tell college students to read every every book they can about the glory of God. Yet our conviction and mine especially is that this holds more weight than any book that Drew Dillman could possibly read. So while it is fantastic that Drew read lots of book reads lots of books, read this one. The word of God is all we have. And your commitment to or lack thereof will reflect right away immediately in your life and in your faith for better or for worse. And so Exodus chapter 20, which I'm not talking about today, is where God gives the Ten Commandments. And we are familiar with the Ten Commandments. Our culture is familiar with the Ten Commandments, where God comes to the mountain of God, the Mount Sinai, and He tells Moses to come up, and God gives him the Ten Laws that will govern the world, that will govern His people forever. And you know them. I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't make any uh, false idols, any graven images to bow down and worship them. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And do not covet. You know those ten. That's the Ten Commandments. And that's coming in chapter 20. But remember that God is going to give those Because he wants a people that worship him. That's the goal. Don't ever forget that. He's creating a people that worship him. So God understands that rules will help a people be for God's glory. So he's going to give that in chapter 20. Well, right after that battle in chapter 18, you know, Moses is writing these books, the book of Exodus. You have a little 
excerpt here, chapter 18, of Moses' father-in-law coming. His father-in-law comes to him. It says that Jethro had heard that all that God was doing, how he set the people free from Pharaoh and from the Egyptians, and now, now they are free and now they're traveling, and, and God did all these amazing things like the ten plagues and miracles and was displaying his power. And Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had to know that God is God. And, and God told Pharaoh every time, here's why I'm doing this, that you will know me. God has such a heart that people would know him personally, intimately, closely, have a real relationship with him. That's why the plagues happened, because the Egyptians, led by Pharaoh, did not know God. So Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes and says, I've heard all that God is doing with you, Moses. And Moses goes, yes, and tells him all that God is doing. And you read the beginning of chapter 18, you're like, this is awesome. Talking about God working in their lives and people rejoicing over it. That is a sign that you are a believer and worshiper in God. That what you're experiencing day to day in your mind is what God is doing in your life. If all that we talk about is what we do and what bad circumstances are coming our way and we don't ever filter it all through God, that is a sign that we are not much worshipers of God. But when our experiences, our emotions, our daily events are filtered through God in his lordship and God in his sovereign hand and God in his goodness preparing life for us, then it's a sign that our hearts are set upon him. Jethro comes and says, Moses, I'm hearing all that God's doing. Moses says, yeah, let me tell you all that God's doing. Now look with me in chapter 18 and verse 13 as I skip ahead. Chapter 18, verse 13, the next day, Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. That means all day when Moses, father in law, saw all that he was doing for the people. He said, what is this that you are doing for the people? I want to give you two points today. The first point is that God doing his work for his people, for his glory. Number one. There are no superheroes. There are no superheroes. And sometimes it takes your father-in-law to get you to see that. Jethro says, Moses, what is this that you're doing? Well, what had Moses been doing? Moses had been sitting down from the sunrise to the sunset all day long, dealing with the people coming to them with their problems, with their issues. And the father-in-law, the first one to speak up, see, he wasn't with the people of Israel. Notice there are millions of people here with the people of Israel, and nobody had raised this issue yet. It took the father-in-law. Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening, he asked. Verse 15. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Hey, there are needs. Moses says, hey, here's why I do it. They just keep coming to me. They got questions about God. They got issues concerning their relationship with God. There are needs. Folks, can we admit for a second that there are so many needs in the world? And if every single one of us works 24 hours a day, we would not reach all the needs. There are needs, there are needs, there are needs, there are needs. You can't reach all the needs. There's not a superhero in the room that can reach all the needs. I'm not saying slack up. I'm not saying be easy. I'm not saying let's be lazy. I'm just saying at some point you have to draw the line and say, here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. At some point we have to say, how can we do this better? That's what this is going to deal with. Verse 15. 
Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. Now, what he's doing is good. Moses is being a leader to the people. People are coming to him with their issues. They're texting him, calling him, emailing him, stopping by our house, doing everything he can to get into Moses' life, saying, uh, how can we deal with this situation? How can I help my relationship with God? And Moses was helping. There were tons of needs. And Moses was helping. What he was doing was a, was a good thing. His father-in-law says, no, what you're doing is not good. And what he means is how you are doing it is not good. It's not going to last. What God is doing, folks, in the book of Exodus is God is working so that in Fairdale, Kentucky, there would be a rising in 2014 of a generation of people that know and love and follow Jesus. That's what that's what God's working toward here in Exodus. God in the book of Exodus is planning on the house church to boom in China and for China to become the largest Christian nation on the planet. I'm not sure if you knew that that's happening, but that's what's happening right now in China. China is exploding with people coming to faith in Jesus, lives being changed. China is absolutely having a revival right now. Millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people. The number one largest Google search in China right now. How can I find a community of evangelical Christians? Awesome stat. Google search in China. How can I find a community of evangelical Christians? See, you're not allowed in China to proselytize. You're not allowed to, in China, evangelize. You're not allowed to tell somebody they need to become a Christian. It's against the law. You're allowed to be a Christian. You're just not allowed to try to get somebody else to be one. So it all has to happen kind of underground. So people are searching. But it's happening. But what I'm telling you right now, and it's happening in Exodus, is that God is creating a people that are Jesus worshipers, that are Savior worshipers, that are God worshipers, so that they will expand, so they will grow, so they will reach out to the whole world. He had Fairdale in mind, China in mind, Africa in mind. He had Ecuador in mind, the little girl Sophie that Chelsea tells you about. God had them in mind here, and here's what he's doing. And if Moses is trying to be superhero and be the only person that is impacting lives for the kingdom of God, that won't last. What's going to happen when Moses dies? And so thank God for the father-in-law who says this is not good. Look at verse 18. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. So look what he says. Verse 19. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you. But any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. Great advice. Moses, here's a way for you to do this better. 
for you to have more reach. And while you yourselves may not be doing as much volume, in the big picture, more will be impacted. And a system will be put in place to do more. Look what Moses says in verse 24. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people. Chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses left, let his father-in-law depart. And he went away to his own country. I said that in the work of God, what God is doing for his people and for his glory, there are no superheroes. Moses is considered one of the greatest leaders that we've known. We see him faithful unto God amidst all of the difficulty, amidst all of the trials. He is the one that God keeps using, and yet he gets rebuked by his father-in-law for the good. What you're doing is not good. How you're doing it is not good. There must be a better way. There are no superheroes. Church, do, do you ever think about... What's going to happen 50 years from now? One of the saddest things that's happening in America, while there are new churches going up everywhere, there are churches dying all the time. Churches are closing their doors all over the place. And there's many reasons why that's sad, but one of the things that's sad is you drop back like 30 or 50 years ago before that church closed, and there were people there working their tails off, right? Some of y'all right now have grandparents who maybe are still living or have passed away, that have spent their whole lives, day in and day out, tons of time working for a church, and the church died after they passed away. We've got to think about how do we do this, and how do we do this well, and what's the best way? How do we reproduce ourselves? Surely we don't want a system where the deacons are working tirelessly all the time, and the rest of the body are doing nothing. Surely we don't want to be a church that is full of lazy people and a tired pastor. We don't have that, but it's not what we want. What do we want? We want to be a people, a body that exists to tell everybody about Jesus while loving and serving both God and people. We want to realize that if one of you who are kind of like a superhero church member reached five new families this year. That'd be like a speck if every one of us reached one in the next five years. There's got to be a better way to do this. We learned this here that there are no superheroes. Just this week I had a conversation with a pastor that's in his 70s who said his church is declining He's tired because the church is struggling. And so guess what the leadership did? They told him he needs to pastor another church now, too. He pastors two churches. And every Sunday morning, he has to get up and go do this at his church like he does. And as soon as he's done, as they're closing out the service, he gets in his car, drives to another city here in Kentucky, and tries to do it there for another church. So one starts early, another starts late. You think he's well-rested? He's in his 70s. You think he's rejoicing? You think he's thrilled about it? No, it's probably creating frustration. Is there not somebody else anywhere that could preach in his place? They have to do that. Are there not many others that could step up and say, hey, we'll take the lead on that. Are there not people who say, hey, here's what I see is happening in our community. Huge opportunity here. Huge need here. 
Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, raises and says, not good. Here's what needs to happen. He points out to Moses, Moses, you're not the key to this thing. God's doing what God's doing. He's going to bring it about. There's going to be a time at the end, folks, where there are people that worship Jesus. And the key is not Moses. The key is somebody doing it. Now, God uses us when we know who we are. We know what we do. We stick to it. We serve faithfully. But when we start thinking that we're superheroes or that we have to or that we can't take a break, we get ourselves burnt out. We get ourselves tired of it. We start messing up the work of God. And it doesn't have to be that way. Let's hear today that there are no superheroes, just faithful people. May God challenge you like Jethro challenged his son-in-law, Moses, to re-examine, know his role, do his job. Don't try to do everything. There are no superheroes. And number two, in doing this work, it is only through God's way. That it happens. God's way is the only way. Number two. Skip over to chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 2 says, They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. So you have the people of Israel there before the mountain, and Moses is now about to go talk to God. We are one chapter away from chapter 20 where God is about to speak to the people what the Ten Commandments are. It's happening next week as I'll preach on Exodus 20 next week. And Moses comes up. It says in verse 3, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Does everybody see that? Exodus 19, verse 4. If you're a young person here today and you're not used to reading your Bible and somebody's confused you to think that Christianity is all about you, please underline 19, verse 4. You might have read Exodus 1 through 18 and you have not seen anything yet where it says that God brought them to himself. But you must know this, folks. Salvation is that we get God. Salvation is that we get God. He is the only thing our souls will find rest in. He is the only thing that won't let us fail. And it's fascinating here when he's telling Moses, you remember how I saved you, how I rescued you, how I brought you from the Egyptians. I bore you up on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. See, they didn't know that. They're walking through the desert complaining about the manna and complaining about the quail. But they had God there. God in a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by, uh, uh, fire by night. God was leading His people and He was there. And they didn't understand that as long as God is here in my life, it doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm safe. I'm secure. They didn't know that. And so God is reminding Moses right before He gives the law, I brought you to Myself. God has put Himself in position to be in relationship with them. But a relationship goes two ways. And when God starts laying out the relationship here, He says, I brought you to Myself. The reason why y'all are here with Me is because I'm God creating this system of you as a people to love Me. But then He says in verse 5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, you shall be My treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is Mine. And you shall be to Me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So God wants them to be his people, his treasure, his possession, if they will indeed obey him. And their answer, which is crazy, in verse 8 says, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. That's what they said. Okay, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be his people. We'll obey completely. And that's what they said. And if you've ever been struggling, that's kind of the way you pray too. It's kind of how I am. When I'm down and out and I'm low and struggling, I go to God and I tell God that, God, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen again. And I, I make this commitment to you and I, I, I do love you and I'm going to do my best from now on. I'll never give up. It's, I'm not going to let it happen. But, y'all, that's not Christianity at all. Christianity is not based at all on what we can do for God. If you've been in that prayer situation before, it'll come again because you're going to fall short again. See, this, this that we have here in Exodus 19 doesn't work. It's an illustration for us that God says, I'll do this for you if you obey me. It doesn't work. We, we can't obey him. See, they hadn't heard the laws yet. And they said, OK, we'll do it. He throws out there, worship nothing else. In first commandment of Exodus 20. Folks, Christianity has the foundation of we cannot be right with God on our own. We cannot. We must be forgiven. Their response is, we will do it. Exodus 19 goes on to say, Moses getting very concerned about obeying God. And God says, I'm coming to the mountain." And you make sure the people go and cleanse themselves and bathe themselves and change their clothes and do not touch the mountain. And he says it all over again. Don't let the people touch the mountain. What you have is that when God is speaking, it's serious. Doing God's work, God's way must be understood and must be taken with all seriousness. They listen. They didn't go there and touch the mountain. And God tells them, here's what I'm going to do, create a people for my glory. But you have to obey me. And they say we will. But as we keep reading, we're going to see that they can't. So here's the truth. We have this great and awesome and holy God who has laid out these standards for the whole world. And we have all these people like you and me and everybody else in the world who thinks, awesome, I, I want that. But we can't. And the Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were listening to God say, I want a people, you're going to be my treasured possession, my nation, my family. Y'all will be the ones living for my glory and you have to obey me. And we're sitting there saying, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I do want to be your people, God. I want you to call me son and I want to call you Father God in heaven. I, I want that. And then we hear the laws and we're like, but I can't. I really want to be your child, God, but I can't do it. And God says, I know. He sends Christ to die on the cross. And whoever believes in him would have their sins removed. As far as the east is from the west, this is how far God has removed our sins from us. 
Now think about this. He says, you will be my people if you obey me, but we don't obey. But in Christ, the Bible says that by faith, we are pure and holy before God. Although we're not an obedient people, he sees us as an obedient people because we're clothed in Christ. Although we're not clean and and white and pure and, and righteous, he sees us as clean and pure and white and righteous. And so even through Exodus 19, where we see the, the advice or Exodus 18 advice from Jethro to make sure the work of God is being done the right way in a system that will last. Or in chapter 19, where we see the seriousness of God speaking and God desiring to be in a relationship with us. The, the major point is all of that works out. And there can be a people that love God. There really can be pure hearted, honest, humble, broken, sin confessing, repentant, strong families here in Fairdale. There can. But you know what the key is? It's not reading chapter 19 saying, "Okay, I'm just going to keep doing my best. It's not. It is us saying Jesus is the Lord that brings me to God. And to the extent that your life and your work ethic and your marriage and your parenting and your friendships and your dating and your and everything is surrendered to Jesus, then you are right with God. And God sees you as his. You are his. And your life is then for his glory. We're reading through the book of Exodus. Next week will be chapter 20. As we pick up the Ten Commandments. And what we're learning so much is about how God is creating the people that will worship Him. But He does that through us recognizing our shortcomings. Through us recognizing our need. If you're here today and you've never said, I just need help. I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven. I need God to put me in position to be right with Him because what I'm learning, I can't ever get there. It's like I'm always playing catch-up. And God's people are learning this here. In chapter 19, I just showed you verse 8. They said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Okay, God sounds awesome. You be our God. We'll be your people. You tell us what to do, we'll do it. It just sounds so foolish. And then in chapter 20, we're about to hear these, these commands. Do not bear false witness. Never, ever tell a lie. Do not covet. Never, ever desire something that's not yours. And here they're saying, we'll do it. Folks, may we be a people who stop puffing ourselves up, stop defaulting to our strengths, start trusting in Jesus as a Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for A service in which we exalt what you're doing around the world. We hear testimony of how lives are being changed in and through our church. And we look to your word, God, to understand how you will create a people for your glory. God, I ask that you would work in our hearts even now. That we would be trusting in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.